0: hey guys what's up it is week 86 i am uh still pretty sick i got sick Uh, i got that stomach bug that was going around so i am going to try to do my best um Sounds like I have a bunch of excuses. The last show, it's like, I'm moving, guys. I can't do a good job. Now I'm sick. going could be excuses every show from now on. Uh, be like that old guy that's no longer as good at basketball as he thought he was. And he's just like, oh, my knee, man. I would have beat you if my knee didn't blow out. I'm going off on a tangent. I obviously played against a lot of people that use those excuses, but let's hop into this. Uh, first and foremost, I hope you had uh, some happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and I hope you have a happy New Year. This is going to come on after the New Year's over, so I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, the first and uh, one I'm going to start with is from Arrow Video. This is uh, The Forbidden Photos of a Lady Above Suspicion. Um, this is by uh, Luciano Icorlai, who did the, uh, mispronounce his name probably, who did the um, Death Walks on High Heels and Death Walks at Midnight. Giallos, and uh, as they explain in the commentary, Cat uh, Allinger does so wonderfully that this is the F giallo, which are less violent, wi- uh, less concerned about the murders, more concerned about maybe police procedurals. They just don't necessarily feel more; they feel even less horror than a typical giallo. And there is definitely like three or four different types of giallos that you would get into, and this is definitely that that uh, an F giallo, which I liked hearing her commentary. Um, this follows a story of a woman who is being blackmailed to do sexual favors to a deviant man. And of course, there's a bunch of turns and twists, and we're not really sure what's going on until the very end. But it's one of the easiest to follow gialli I've ever seen. I knew exactly what was happening at any moment, and I wasn't confused by any of the twists. Sometimes these giallo, you watch giallos, you watch, and you're like, "Man, what was that twist? Or what, what what happened right there?" I'm not 100% sure what's going on, and I think that they messed up, or I'm a moron, or a little bit of both. But this one is so straightforward; it's a very easy watch. Um, the acting's pretty solid. It looks beautiful, like always. The music's by Ennio Morricone so top notch score you know if you have somebody like Ennio Morticone, uh, fabio frizzi ritz ortolani um, tons of those guys like that you just expect gold and it is gold It's also written by Ernesto Gadaldi, who did a bunch of these. So it it does feel like it's a fairly, um, you know, not necessarily generic story because uh, it's a little bit different. Like I said, it's a little bit more straightforward. It feels like you've seen it before, but that's not a bad thing because pretty much almost all the Giallos that are made by, you know, uh, competent directors turn out good. Um, And this one is no different. Um, I loved seeing on the special features that they had this um, uh, interview with this music expert. um, And he talks about uh, Ennio Morricone, but he doesn't just shed his, uh, you know, some. I'm gonna give Enyo his credits. He talks about his two uh, contributors that were always with him. And he said, I call them the big three. Uh, I said, Bruno Nicolai, who was in a bunch of bunch of scores. And I can't think of the third one. But he talks about them for like 40 minutes, all about their career and how they worked together and how they got credit for other people's work and, and vice versa. They would just kind of put Enyo Morricone's name on everything because he was the big name, even if he did less work on that score than Bruno. And I liked hearing that. And, and it's good to set the record straight for a lot of these people. He's like, I'm not saying Enyo not amazing because he is. but he is not doing all this alone and that makes sense because his scores are vast but like I said, this one also has a Susan Scott. I'm going to call her By Her and American name because that's what I'm most familiar with. And this is one of the best Susan Scott roles I've seen. Instead of playing, you know, just like, um, I guess you'd say, like a promiscuous, like a uh, rich woman, which she is in this. She plays someone that um, has a little bit more to her than one would expect. And they, they point, fo- point focus at her that she may be involved with all the mysteries going on. We have the husband uh, in here as well. And you don't know exactly what's going on. The baddie is played by a guy who pops up in a lot of Jose Laura movies, and he is uh, pretty decent in those movies. He's in, what's the one I'm trying to think of? It's not a Jose Larrar's movie, but it is a Spanish film, Blood Spattered Bride. He's in that as the crooked, uh, sexually deviant husband. And he's a deviant in this one, too. He does a pretty good job. Uh, the, the, like I said, it looks like a nice, it looks good. It sounds good, of course, with Daniel. The, they did a great job restoring it. It's an easy watch. It's an easy to follow Giallo, which is not always the case, so uh, don't expect a gratuitous amount of violence in here, but there is some you know, nudity and sex and some mystery and intrigue. So it's good stuff. That's uh, Forbidden Photos of a Lady Above Suspicion. That's a mouthful. I've kept the negative of the prince.
1: Why do you want to do this, Dominique? Don't let it worry you. You already have enough problems. Thank you. Thank you, Dominique. Sure, they're pure pornography, Commissioner. I do what I like when I'm at my place. Don't you? It was such a great pleasure that now you're coming back to pay me. You pig! The I met last week, he's real wild. But what if he sold to them? Be great. What publicity? <coughs> Undress. Better take her home. I'll see what I can find out. I borrow this one. My dear, it's yours. Take it if you like it. But where did you get it? It just came into uh, my possession, you know. Sit down. Sit down. or I'll bring in the police, you hear? I wouldn't advise that. I might let them hear this recording. And I would ask her for her check. Yes, photographer. Peter! Peter! That man! What? Look!
0: Okay guys, the next one here is, you know, it's kind of a sore spot for a lot of people and I'm sure it's a sore spot for the people that made it, but this is from Arrow Video. This is Waterworld with Kevin Costner and Dennis Hopper. Yeah, when Waterworld came out, I think it was 95. I was only uh, 9, 10 years old, so I didn't have that same like disdain for it that a lot of people had for it. It seemed like it took the blunt end of a lot of the journalism, and it was the big turkey, or it didn't make its money back, and that was all kind of just bullcrap. It was the punching bag for a lot of people. And I'm going to say this right now. I like the post-apocalyptic movies. I like the end-of-the-world movies. I like, um, I guess you'll say, eco-horror. And that's what Waterworld is. Um, Kevin Costner has always been a solid actor to me. He's never really amazing and anything if you just need a, a kind of a a silent uh, actor to do the physical stuff and be decent kevin costner's good at it and he he does a lot of stuff like that and a funny thing is kevin costner tends to only do historical movies or frontier movies like dances with wolves which is a historical frontier movie Waterworld kind of has like a weird frontier thing going on going to vast explore places and like history movies like untouchables and tough that actually and, and sports movies it he, he tends to stick to certain genres um let me say water world it's in the future you don't know exactly what time if i remember uh water has taken over the world. There's no dry land. Everybody's on the search for dry land. And um, Dennis Hopper is the leader of this gang called the Smokers, which are, you know, big uh, industrial capitalists that want to build on things. They want to find dry land. They want to make highways. It's really funny. It's really kind of satirical in that way. And uh, their tanker has a special name, if you guys will notice, if you guys knew were around at that time that uh, that, uh, tanker was around. But regardless, it has some fun moments like that. It's darker than one would expect, especially for the adventure-style school which I figured kind of was adventure style in there. Um, I really love Dennis Hopper in the movie. I'm a big Dennis Hopper fan. I think most film fans are a big Dennis Hopper fan because he's such a crazy person and he's so different and unique and he's chewing up the scenery in this one. Some of his lines just stuck in my head. At one point, he gives these two guys an ultimatum, whoever talks first lives and the one guy starts talking quicker and the other guy tries to talk, he shoots him and uh, he says, whoever talk yeah. And the guy finishes and then he's about to shoot him. And the guy says, you said if, if I talked, you wouldn't kill me. He's like, I might've said that. Oh man, I might've, I can't remember. And then, and it's so funny because he's being uh, true to his word. Then he just has another guy shoot him. It's just fun, bad guy stuff like that. It reminds me of like a performance that Franklin, Franklin Jella put in um, Master's Universe, which is one of the best bad guy, like great actors playing a cheesy movie and chewing the scenery kind of performance. But it's Mad Max on the water. Really. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with that. I, I, we've watched hundreds and hundreds of these Mad Max ripoffs and love them, you know. And all of a sudden, because it's a big budget movie, people are going to stick their nose up to it. No, come on, this is what you want. You're like, man, if these guys had a bigger budget, this Mad Max ripoff would be awesome. And then they do it, and everybody's like, oh, that movie's a turd. So, and, and I think most of the people that actually watched the movie always enjoyed it. it. It's a spectacular movie when it comes to stunts and comes to sets. The, the stuff they went out of their way to build is amazing on the water. The movie shot on water, which is is a, a terrible way. To, it's a hard, hard shoot. And Kevin Costner does a lot of his own stunts. It seems like a dangerous shoot. You'll notice some small uh, rolls by uh, Jack Black in here. I don't know if he's only in the Ulysses cut or what, but I noticed him in here and some other people pop up as well. Very familiar faces. The old man from Hudson Hawk and Monster Squad's in here. Um uh the bad guy from Serpent and the Rainbow I believe pops up in here as well. So there's a lot of familiar faces in RD Hall who's in state of grace. So it's got a nice cast. The female lead is good. She looks tough. She does a great job and the little kid acting uh, is solid in here as well. But the movie basically follows everybody trying to find this little kid who has this tattoo on her back that could lead to dryland. That's the plot of the movie. Um Michael Jeter is also in it having a fun performance. But the action is top notch. It is a long movie. Uh there's some funny moments. Uh, Dennis Hopper steals the show. when. On screen, to be honest, and I just don't understand how people couldn't enjoy this one. On the um, there's three cuts in the movie on the special edition theatrical cut, extended TV cut, and the even longer Ulysses cut, which finally has uh, some dialogue re- reinstated that was missing from it. Um, I watched that cut because it was damn near three hours, and I remembered most of it, so I must have seen the TV cut a bunch of times or one because that one's just a little longer than the TV cut. But uh, it's an enjoyable movie. It even has some creature effects in there, which don't look particularly bad. But the stunts are top-notch. The set designs are top-notch. Uh, the set building is amazing in this movie. So I think it's just a big, dumb, fun movie that has some fun with itself, and I think that most people will enjoy it. A lot of hard work went in this movie. So if you love movies, you can at least see that there's a lot of hard work in it. Um, I know that doesn't always get a pass. Like oh, There's tons of hard work. It's really hard, so it should be good. I enjoy it regardless if it's hard or not. And this one, I enjoy. Um, there's also a, like an hour and four 40 minute like making of which has all the like the producers and writers involved with it no no big none of the big actors uh, Dennis Hopper's been dead for years but no Kevin Costner doesn't make an appearance and stuff and then there's an archival 10 minute making of which is nice to see and uh um somebody goes over there's uh, like a 22 minute thing about ecological horror and end of the world movies on here as well so it looks really good it sounds good and I'm glad that Arrow gave Waterworld the treatment I think it deserves um, some some love it always I mean it kind of got crapped on so
1: sun for millions of years the source of life but for one planet the source of its demise the temperatures climbed the vast fields of ice at its poles melted and the oceans rose centuries later few people remain on this planet once called Earth still searches, a woman who still hopes, and a small child who carries the secret to a new beginning. In this place they know only as Water World.
0: Okay, guys, the next one is from MBD Rewind, and it is from Albert Pune, um, the Nemesis. This has one of the best covers ever. This is one of these movies that I've rented a hundred times as a kid, and like watched it halfway through every time because of the cover. Albert Pyun has done tons of sci-fi movies, what Omega Doom, a couple that I recently reviewed. But this is an Imperial Pictures flick made in the early '90s, and it was you know catching that wave of you know like science fiction robot uh, kind of deal. Um, Nemesis isn't a perfect movie. I'm not going to lie to anybody and say it is. It Uses some of the same sets from Dollman by that Albert Pune used. But to be honest, Nemesis has such a, a creative touch and it has a lot of heart throughout the movie it has a nice little cast uh, Olivier Grunner is a star of it from Angeltown he's a John Claude Van Damme type actor he's not particularly great um he doesn't really do much for the movie. Um, he, he's good to have in this kind of movie because he can do a lot of his own stunts and he's a very physical actor so that's pretty good. But besides that, he doesn't stand out. He's not as bad as he was in something like Angel Town but he doesn't really stand out as far as acting is concerned. Uh, besides that, there's some other people that pop up in here. Uh, Thomas Jane is in here which is great to see a very early role. Um, uh, Tim Thomerson, who's in some Albert Pew movies. Uh, Brian James which I love seeing. Uh, Seb Thorson from the Arnold movies. Uh, he's in here. There's a couple other faces you'll recognize, especially if you know a lot of stuntmen, because there's a lot of stunt guys in this movie, and uh, there's a lot of fun action set pieces in the movie that haven't been really done in anything else. I would say that he had to be heavily inspired by, obviously, cyberpunk in this movie, but um, they were kind of told to do cyberpunk, but some of the action things that happen here remind me of, like, early John Woo stuff, like when he shoots through the floor, several floors, and shoots bad guys on the way down, that stuff is what video games were made of after this, and and it's such a fun, creative action set piece like that. This movie He's guilty of really one thing i would say besides you know some hit and miss acting from the lead but it's guilty of giving you a bunch of payoffs that aren't ever set up, like, he's running from the bad guys, and he finds a dog, and he puts the dog in a in, in a safe, and then ten minutes later in the movie, the dog gets killed, and he buries it right away, and there's just like, that dog wasn't set up to be a real character, and it's just, they wanted that emotional feeling that he saves a dog to show his humanness, that he still parts, because this guy's part cyborg, he's like Darth Vader losing more man than machine, and then five minutes later, they kill the dog, and it's unceremoniously done, and it just doesn't have any effect, phys- uh, like, emotional effect, this movie lacks emotional um, attachment, and that's pretty much, it is a big dumb action movie, so action sci-fi movie, so you can't hold it too guilty for it, though, but it lacks emotional attachment in general. It's not like the Terminator or Terminator 2 where you care about these characters and you get attached, and that, that's the movie's biggest problem, but besides that, it's very fun. There's some action, there's some funny moments with the old lady, uh, you know, standing up to Sev Thorsen, so I, you can tell there's tons of stuntmen, tons of people being shot, Tom Matthews is also in it, who appears in a couple of Albert Pune's other movies, but it's a fun movie movie. And there's like three cuts on here. There's a Japanese cut, there's a director's cut in standard def, and then there's the regular cut in HD. And it looks pretty good. Um, I enjoyed checking it out. There's some good effects in here and there's some great action. I mean, it is dated. Some of the effects at the end with Tim Thomerson kind of turning into a Terminator-style character, but there's all these plot twists and espionage, and there's some nudity in here too. And I remember watching that nude scene back in the day with the kind of a muscular girl, or I thought she was super muscular as a kid. As an adult now, I'm like, she's not super muscular. She looks kind of normal, but uh, I always kind of enjoyed that um, <laughs> watching that scene as a kid. Obviously, on my VCR going back and whatnot. But uh, Nemesis, um, I'm kind of glad to revisit it. And uh, it has a lot of crazy locations too. And it's it's well worth checking out, especially if you're a sci-fi fanatic. You got to see it, especially sci-fi action fans, because they don't really make that many great sci-fi action movies anymore like they did in the heyday, late 80s, early 90s. So Nemesis.
1: Alex Rain is a human being. His life is more dangerous with each sunrise. Alex Rain will be destroyed somehow, some way. He should die for what he's done. Get out! In a future false world, he stands for truth. He's a cop, all right. In a violent world, violence is his life. He knows he must face the human condition alone. takes more than flesh and blood to be human, Alex. I can't feel anything anymore. Maybe you should take the time to find out what you care about, Alex. You're not really human anymore, are you? He knows the answer, but he doesn't know the question. I think he accepted the story by the time he learns the truth and be too late. He must face an ever-changing enemy in an eternal fight against an indestructible force. I need your help with the cyborgs. The never-ending battle line is drawn. They will never let him go. How did it happen? Relax. Help me relax, Marion. He has what they must have. Jared's mind and soul, Alex. In a world where humanity is measured in percentages, only Alex Rain knows the path to redemption to the cyborg enemy. He is their nemesis.
0: Okay, the next one is a Shudder exclusive. Uh, pretty brand new. It's called You Might Be the Killer. I wanted to check this one because I heard some good things about it. It's definitely a meta-style comedy horror slasher. And everybody's like, okay, here we go again. But this one's particularly well made. It's got a nice little clever setup. It doesn't start in chronological order. We have a guy who's in a summer camp. I'm going to probably talk about this very little because I don't want to spoil anything. He he wakes up. He's covered in blood. He calls his friend who works in a, um, a movie store or a, a kind of like a, um, a geek store or, like, books, um, you know, board games, I think movies, music, that kind of thing, you know, and Calls his friend, who's a horror obsessed fan named Chuck, and it's played by the girl from the American Pie movies. Uh, one time at summer camp, I, I can't think of her name. Alli- Allison Hagen. She's great. She's good in this too, and she basically talks him into thinking that he may be the killer because he's at a summer camp and a bunch of people have been killed. And he's he starts to recollect everything that's happened, and we hear we hear this mystery. And it's pretty much if you told this in chronological order and cut out some of the um, you know, things popping up on the screen, it would be a standard slasher with um, you know kind of a a, a, a modernized deal. But the way they tell it in chrono, on chronological order and, and switch things up and have people get killed and pull some twists and do some things like that makes it a little bit more fun and a little bit more unique. Uh, there's plenty of kills. There's plenty of gore. A lot of it's practical and it looks really good. I didn't really notice any standout bad CGI. Um, sometimes they're good at hiding it. Sometimes they're not so. Um, but I imagine nowadays most movies would have a little bit of CGI. But um, I, the kills were good. The acting was good. The characters were fun. They were kind of stereotypes to a certain extent but not so bad that it was where you roll your eyes because i hate when they're like the jack the slutty girl it's like, come on guys it's so stupid and i don't remember watching the original friday movies ever thinking that a lot of those characters were like stereotypes like, yeah, maybe somebody's more promiscuous than one, or maybe somebody's a little dorkier, or the the practical joker. But not everyone fit into these, like, stupid groups. Most of the time, they're just halfway normal people that maybe had one or two things in the movie that made them a little bit different. But nothing else. They seem normal. And and I hated that trope that came over and was like, oh, they're all stereotypes, and they're over the top. I, it just annoyed the hell out of me after a while. And, you know, the people will compare this to Final Girls, and... Like I said, some of these people are a little over the top, but they don't ever cross the line where I'm annoyed by it. It's got good gore, it's got good acting. I like the chemistry between the lead, the lead and the the two leads really are him and the conversations on the phone. Sometimes when he's like picking up the phone when things are happening, you're like, really, Woody? I don't know what that would happen, but you gotta you know suspend your disbelief for a while. It's fun. It's on Shutter. They made it kind of look like grainy 16 mm if I'm not mistaken. Which at first I was like, oh no, here we go. But all in all, I enjoyed it. it probably came out to be one of my top mo- favorite movies movies of the year. I like it. It's called You Might Be the Killer on Shutter exclusive is uh, exclusive on Shutter too.
1: Ah! <gasps> ah! Oh my god! We've been having so much fun. Rings of Saturn. Chalk, Sam. I'm really scared. Maybe you can help me out being responsible for an entire summer camp. Nature is our nature. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Everything started out so great. And now there's this crazy killer roaming the campground. Wait, really? We've been having so much fun. Big Everyone is dead. I mean, that sometimes happens.
0: Especially the camp counselors. Like, is it an old camper back for blood? How do you know that? How does knowing who it is help me not die?
1: Figuring out what they want could help you not die. Smart. Roar! Sam? I hate to ask you this, but are you sure you're not the killer?
0: Okay, guys, the first Patreon pick um, for January is by my boy, Jonathan Wilhelm, and it is Upgrade. He picked that one for me. Um, this one I have on Voodoo. I bought it on Voodoo, but I do not have a physical copy of it to show you. Um, Upgrade follows the story of, what is that guy's name? Uh, the actor. It follows the story of an actor. No, it's just a Thomas Logan Green, I think is his name. He's in The Invitation, which was my favorite movie that came out in 2015, 2016. I can't remember. I'm getting old. But uh, basically, it's a revenge story. I love revenge stories. It's, some, it's my favorite kind of subgenre because revenge movies are so broad. You can do a horror, you can do an exploitation, you can do a crime movie, you can do a comedy, any revenge movie. Dirty Works, a, a revenge in a way. But revenge movies in general are some of my favorite things. So we have uh, this um, Logan who's on his way home. Um, and it's a futuristic society that doesn't look like it's like, well, a lot of times you watch these futuristic societies and it'll be like Blade Runner. You're like, wow, I can't imagine that. An upgrade? I can imagine this futuristic society being real. So that's cool. Um, he's on his way home with his wife. She works for this kind of, uh, cybernetics or this futuristic company that does technology. Um, he's building a car for this top notch, you know, a guy like a Elon Musk type guy. Um, cause he's one of these guys that loves to work with his hands in a, in a futuristic society where he's almost obsolete so he's on his way home with his wife their car crashes some bad guys paralyze him and kill her and that's the plot um the elon musk character comes to him and says i have this new um what is it called? Um, STEM. I have this new software. You can't tell anyone about it, but it will make you be able to walk again. And it's a supercomputer. And once he do with it, STEM starts to talk to him in his head and he goes and gets revenge on the guys that did it to his wife and himself. So in a way, people would say it's a lot like Robocop. And the setup of the movie I thought was okay. But, um, and, and where it was going, I was like, oh, is it going to be this predictable? Is it really going to do this? And it kind of did. And I was like, oh, come on guys. But then it went a step further and I was like, oh, wow, that makes me... Like this a lot more, and then the way it ended, I was like, I didn't expect that, so it made me like it even more. And uh, the lead performance is great; he's great in it. His uh, the way the machine stem starts to control him, his facial expressions are great. And he's like, I don't know, boom, and it's just I can imagine that choreographing that stuff was really hard. And uh, his inner, his like facial expressions and his one-liners and stuff, they fit the movie; they're good. Um, the weakest part is kind of the main goon. I don't care for him. I don't think he's interesting. I think he's boring, um, and it's really i don't know if it's his performance or his character and it's just like it goes to show you that not everyone's willem dafoe or can play a willem dafoe type character and i i don't like pointing this out because i feel like an asshole but a lot of the bad guys are very generic and they don't really stand out the four goons the the best one is the the guy in the bar i think he's the strongest and uh that's all i'll leave there the bad guys are a little weak the four goons that did this—they're weak. That's the weakest part of the movie. They're not like Clarence Botiger and his gang, which are outstanding, or or um, Robert Durant from Darkman and his goons, or Class of nineteen eighty-four. Those bad guys just stand out. They're a great gang. They have character. They have interactions with each other where they have some sort of hierarchy or some sort of uh, you know I don't want to say friendship, but some of them do. But they just seem like legit and they know each other. Unlike this one. These bad guys don't seem to mix well. At times they try to do it. I mean, I wouldn't say mix well, but at times they try to show camaraderie among them, but it just, it was never fleshed out enough and I never cared enough about the bad guys or wasn't interested in them. And you're not really supposed to, but it helps a movie. That's my only complaint, the bad guys suck. Besides, you know, later on, there's some twists, and that is a little cool too. But I like the lead performance quite a bit. The gore, when it's there, is mostly practical and it looks great. It's over the top, too. I was like, whoa, that's kind of crazy. So, Upgrade is a gory revenge movie that goes a little darker than one might expect by the beginning. And I think it's well worth checking out. It's pretty good stuff. Thank you, Jonathan Willem. As a quadriplegic, must be frustrating for you. Someone who likes to get things done with
1: their hands. Here's the thing. Four guys murdered my wife. You catch if I could find these men, I'd do. What if I told you I could offer you something that would enable you to walk again? I call it STEM. A computer chip that has the potential to change everything. It's a new, better brain. I am STEM. The system operating your body for you. Can anybody else hear you? No, only you. May I point something out? In the drone surveillance footage, Sir Brandner, Marine Corps, address 414 Citrus, Newcraft. You'll need a plan. I got this. This doesn't seem like a well-thought-out plan. I need your permission to operate independently. Permission granted! Thank you. Stay down, man. Spam, he's got a knife! I see that. We had a knife, too. You now have full control again, Gray. If you are involved in this somehow, then you need to let me know. Well, I was in the area, detective. There's a gun implanted inside his hand. Stan, what do you think I should do? Move, mm-hmm. whoa, brain. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Man, you are persistent. I cannot allow us to be killed. We are going to finish the job we started. You didn't know that I'm a ninja. <clears throat> While I am state-of-the-art, I am not a ninja.
0: Okay, guys, the VHS Voyage. I don't have a VHS for you, but it was a movie that made the video nasties list. I think it was called AKA I Hate Your Guts, no, that was Fight for Your Life. What was it? I can't remember, but it is I Miss You Hugs and Kisses. And this is one uh, that not a lot of people talk about, to be brutally honest. Um, I've not really heard anyone talk about it. It's not really a horror movie. It definitely feels like a TV crime drama, courtroom drama, but it has splashes of gore. I think this is the most on-cut you can get it. Never been released on DVD. Obviously, it's the VHS Voyage. Never been released on Blu-ray. So, maybe eventually it will. But I Miss You Hugs and Kisses. It's essentially kind of a courtroom drama thing. It's got to be Canadian because it stars the uh, kind of ass whole guy who brings up the girl from Death Week into the cabin. Uh, Chuck, uh, something, Chuck Shamarwa or something like that. He's great in this movie. He plays this, the, the lead guy's best friend. And this movie's not told in chronological order either. There's a woman who's murdered, brutally um, beaten to death and it kind of goes back in time through a, court, a series of courtrooms and we see all their re- relationships and it's this guy, the husband's being accused of murdering her because they had a shaky past he had a lover on the side, his friend was kind of messed up, the cops were corrupt so we see all these storylines happening and every once in a while there's some really graphic stuff which probably got it on the video nasties list um, there's one scene in here which is a, a rape murder from a serial killer which is almost out of nowhere and, and involves necrophilia. and I was like what in the hell man this feels like a tv movie and then this all comes in and then there's some gore like i said the performance from the lead's pretty good and uh it, it's fairly decent movie it's not particularly great i love the, the, his friend his friend is an underrated actor the guy who in, from death weekend he plays a perfect pompous jerk he's in a bunch of stuff he's great in this uh he's a photographer so you know he's kind of a slime ball the lead's good too and all the performances are fairly solid um the end of the movie uh in the courtroom stuff at the end when they show the the different people who possibly could have murdered his wife i really like and at the end of the movie also points out it tries to make a message about sometimes you're you know considered guilty before the cases even... All the facts are even run down. It's based supposedly on a true story. I think it's worth checking out. If, you, if you're looking through the video nasties list and, uh, you know, you got... It's funny that it's even on there because it doesn't really fit with the other ones. You're like, anthropophagus, fight for your life. I, I miss you, hugs and kisses. And the line of that, that line is a name and title movie. And at the very end, it's a note. But... I think it's pretty good. I I mean, I I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle. It's not great, but it's definitely better than it it, it gets credit for. It's not horrible and it's not great, but it's, it's average movie and it gets shit out a lot. Not nobody talks about it. It's I miss you. Hugs and kisses. Um, a courtroom TV movie drama with some violence. I don't know if it's a TV movie, but it sure feels like it. I think it's Canadian, too. I'm not 100%.
1: Two months ago, Charles Crucian, millionaire husband of former model Magdalene Christian, offered a $10,000 reward for information leading to the capture of his wife's murderer. Today, through a dramatic turn of events, Christian himself has been charged with a brutal slaying of his wife, Magdalene Christian, who was found bludgeoned to death in her home. Charles Crucian, her husband, was charged with the murder and later released on a $100,000 bond. Why would I want to kill her when obviously divorce is is the sensible way out? All she is, is a money-grubbing little nothing. It's not 24, it's $27,000 with all the extras, you know. Goddamn little whore. I just don't get a shit. You were once the best friend of the cure. I planned to get a divorce. And then I would come over. And we get married.
0: Okay, how long have you known about the murder? Nothing to say. How long have you and Charles Cousin been lovers?
1: I found myself thinking of ways of killing Magdalene. What? Yeah. How? Actually planning it? I missed you.
0: i Okay, the picket movie was The Horseman. Yep. Talk about revenge. I've had this sitting around my house forever. Um, I believe this is an Australian movie. But yeah, regardless, I was excited to watch this one. I put it in and right away I was like, I'm going to love this. And it did not disappoint. It's a revenge movie. It's about a father. kind of reminds me of a father going out and getting revenge like Hardcore with Georgie Scott, which is a great movie by Paul Schrader. But it's gritty. It looks dirty. It looks real gritty. It's, and, and I was like, okay, I'm in. Uh, the movie's also not totally chronological order exactly. It's kind of a thing I like, I guess. But we have this man whose daughter was, uh, died under mysterious circumstances and she was involved with a porno ring. That's all I'm going to say. But essentially the movie is him getting revenge or trying to find out the story that happened. He's like a middle-aged bug sprayer. So he's like an average Joe, but he knows how to fight. And uh, they never explain why he's such a badass, but it's just like he's built on rage. He ends up meeting this girl and having a relationship. It's a lot like other revenge movies, but that that works with the the older man meeting a girl that reminds him of his daughter, but he couldn't save his daughter. But can he save her? That's always works. I don't know why. Taxi Driver comes to mind with stuff like that and other movies uh, in the same ilk. But The Horseman, this guy, the performance is great by the lead. He's vicious. The kills are brutal. And this movie has some great fight scenes. And usually, sometimes, I, I know if you're making a low-budget movie, fighting up close is the way to go. And they do that. And sometimes, I'm like, man, I wish some of the action was more spread out. Because you're seeing a lot of good like martial arts movies. They'll spread the action out so you know the guys are really doing it. But the action's close in this, and it, it's great. The punches are hard. It's violent. Um, he tortures these guys when he catches them to find information. But when they actually do fight, they're brutal. And for some reason, although you know this guy wouldn't be able to go through all these other guys. Um, but you believe it. And you're rooting him. And and at the end of the movie, there's a pile of bodies. And it's not a, a feel-good movie to year or anything like that. It was emotional. It, it got to me. And I love that. The Horseman. Great stuff. Highly um, um, entertaining in its violence department. I know I know, I love revenge movies, but I like I l- I the lead performance here. Uh, it goes dark. Um, and there's a point where the bad guy says a couple things. Like, I felt, I don't want to spoil it. I almost spoiled something. But he says a couple things where you're like, you know what? He's not a complete monster. He's not good, but he's not a complete monster. But uh, it's just a, a great movie with a great performance, a man driven by revenge. It's all much I can say. I like the look of it. It looks gritty. It looks dirty. It really looks seedy, and it really fits with the movie. And uh, as the things that happen, I just I, even though sometimes it comes off semi-unrealistic, I mean, I guess if you look into the plot, I never felt like it was fake or unrealistic, even when it was happening, and I know it's not possible. But great fight scenes, great kills, just a great revenge movie.
1: Trying
0: to get to our captain. I'll be passing
1: through. Who's this? My daughter. What's her name? Jessie. The toxicology report found alcohol, cocaine, and heroin in her blood. What's it like having kids? Now you're abundant. The night we come to you for protection. You're so strong. At least I think you yeah. are. Do you know the people who made this? Sure do. Finn and I go way back. I want to know who else did it. I don't know. <laughs>
0: Okay, we're going to hop into the Pick-A-Movie. Last week, um, I can't remember who won, but he picked Midnight Express by Alan Parker. So I know I'm getting a good one to watch. See who wins this one. Who we got? We got Aja Malika. Or is it... I don't know. I'll try to find you. If you don't get to me right away or get to me soon enough, I'll, I'll try to find out what you picked if you posted what you wanted me to watch on the video. But congrats. Now I'm going to go into the the prizes for the Tempe video. For anybody that uh, was a patron for December, uh, I got two prizes to pull out of here. To, so you'll get four Tempe movies on DVD. You'll get Bloodletting, Ozone, Sandman, and Polymorph. Um I will send them to you. Um, if you ever want to join the Patreon, please check it out. I'm kind of at a stalemate. Uh, there's still some pick em, there's still some uh, pickem movies or Patreon pick spots left, and there's some other things. Check it out. The link will be below if uh, no pressure. But regardless, let's see who the two prizes are. I'm going to draw a third name. The first two are the winners, but if one of these guys doesn't want the prize or gals, I'll give it to the third person. So uh, there's going to be three because some people I don't think want the prizes. They just uh, Derek Bourgeois, he's number winner one. I know Big Derek's going to want it because he likes movies. Unless he's got them all and he doesn't need it. But he can give away on his, his, his YouTube channel. And who else do we got? Jim Simon. That's the second winner. And this is a backup winner. The backup winner, just in case something happens where they don't want it, is Brandon Salkill, who won last week. But those are the three. Um, so two, you got Derek Bouchard and Jim Simon, one, one and two. So you get the same thing. So don't worry about it. And I guess we're going to go into the questions. What do we got here? Matt Brown. Um, as a filmmaker, what would you consider, uh, are, are some of your strong points as your weaker points? I've only made, um, one feature. I guess it was an anthology and I made uh, two shorts and another feature. So I don't, I don't know if I've done enough to understand what my weaknesses and strong points are. Um, I like working on a fly. Which I would say um could be a strong point. Um, I like working on a fly. I like to come up with solutions when they happen. Um at times. I mean not not necessarily come up with solutions. I just like to go for it and I can manage to make it work sometimes. Weaker points, I don't prepare enough. So there we go. They they tie right into each other. I just go for it. Um, ilk vomit, uh it's been a while since you've done your best of movies uh, set uh, said your kind of video. Please tell me you're going to do a best of 2018. I got you. I'll do one at the end of this video. It's not going to be it's not it's going to be top 25 or something. Nick Mool. what foreign franchises are you an avid fan of? I enjoy the Crimson River movies mean, mainly because of Gene Reno and Christopher Lee. Ooh, what foreign franchises? Mostly the foreign franchises I'm a fan of would be, like, um, the Italian horror movies, like The Zombie, The Demons, stuff like that. So, Zombies and zombie and Demons are the, the franchises I'm a big fan of that are foreign, off the top of my head, to be honest. Um, what else do we have? Uh, what's your mood during the end of holidays, Jolly Santa Claus or The Grinch? Um, I buy presents for everybody. I enjoy spending time with them, but I, I'm not, like, a big holiday guy or... Or an anti-holiday guy. You know, I take it time to get off work and spend time with family, and I'm fine with that. Uh, what kind of bonus features should not should not be on a DVD slash Blu-ray? Ooh, should not be? That's tough. I mean, I don't think you should advertise, um, like, a picture show on the back. It's kind of weird. Or if that's all it is. Interactive menus. Don't ever put that on the back of your DVD anymore. It's not 1997. Don't put interactive menus. Uh, what else? What should not be? Hmm. That's tough. I mean, the more the merrier, to be honest. Um, I know that sometimes people don't like fan commentaries, but if you have other commentaries, I don't see the harm in a fan commentary. Uh, I prefer the big, like, making ofs or the um, interviews that are all cut up. So we have, like, everybody talking in the same, like, 45-minute video instead of watching, like, 10, like, 15-minute videos of different people. I prefer the big cut-ups, so I'd rather have that. That's all I give you for that. Um, Mia Horshow, how come you haven't done new movie reviews? I don't mind old movie reviews. Some of them I haven't watched yet. I'm just saying I used to remember where you did used to do new movie stuff. I've done a couple. I mean, this week I've done You Might Be a Killer and Upgrade, which are newer movies. Last week I did Satan's Slay the week before I did Terrified, so I'm I'm squeezing them in there. It's just, um, I don't, you know, I I do more new releases than anything, and although the new ones, a lot of the new indie horror stuff, it's just I'm not as interested as I used to be. I shouldn't say that, but I'm not. Sometimes I am, sometimes I am not. It just depends. So, maybe it's just I'm getting a little burnout on doing a lot of the same stuff over time, but Sundays End. I actually remember renting pet shop from Blockbuster. Remember that? And watching it as a kid. Yes, I do remember that. Not Blockbuster wasn't my video store choice. Video connection. Man, my whole life has been trying to recreate a video store in my basement or something like that or and places like that. So you know, I I, I do remember video stores. My hair's a mess. But uh, yeah, love it. It's nostalgia, man. Like I said, uh, best moments go back to that video store just like going in with, you know, having your mom drop you off when you're a little kid or walking down with your buddy and renting stuff and, yeah, just good moments, good moments. Movie nerds, man. Movie nerds. Uh, Answers. The question I asked was if you had uh, time, space, and money, how would you, uh, unlimited resources, how would you display your movie collection? Jonathan Woolhem said, if I had uh, room and space, wasn't an issue. I'd add full movie store shelves so you could see the covers. Nick Mua, such a fun question. I would display my films in a large high tower lit by lanterns and on floating, revolving platforms from the bottom of said tower to the top. I don't even know how that would look. Peek and Boo answered the question of the week. I guess I would need a bigger castle. On a serious note, I would probably would keep them in some boxes as I do now. Boring answer, I know. Peter England do not really understand the question, but I've got my DVD Blu-ray collection selected and displayed on favorite directors, g- genres, giallo, policio Tessi, uh, 1970s American Crime slash Cops and Robbers, heist movies, black exploitation, post-apocalyptic movies, modern movies, horror, uh, decades, 70s, 80s, classics from silence till 1969, 1980s, nostalgia movies, incorporated, inc- oh, et etc. Et incorporated, Jesus. Um, yeah, so that is the questions, uh, the answers to the questions. The new question of the week is something I, w- I had a couple I wanted to go with, but I'm going to go with this one who is the quintessential anti-hero anti-hero is it doesn't have to be a character it doesn't have to be snake uh, plissken or whatever from escape from new york it, it can be an actor like is charlie bronson the ultimate anti-hero is clint eastwood the an, ultimate anti-hero just who is the quintessential anti-hero to you um okay guys um now i'm going to hop into the update okay guys here we are in the update let's start with some blu-rays the Billy Jack Collection. Got this for Christmas. Couldn't I'm, I'm happy because I almost bought this like 30 times. Got the Born Lo- Losers Billy Jack, The Trial of Billy Jack, and Billy Jack Goes to Washington. I saw one of these on TV as a kid. Never saw the series, but this is a shout select. Cool stuff. Want to check it out. Then we have Dracula, Prince of Darkness, um, the Hammer movie. This is also from Scream. I did not want to pay the price I paid, and I probably won't be doing it too often, uh, but you know... Had to for the hammer stuff. Then we have The Fiend from Ma- or fiend from Massacre Video by Don Dollar. This is a Don Dollar movie I haven't seen. I've seen Night Beast, Alien Factor, um, Blood Massacre. Looking forward to checking this one out. Looks cool. Looks fun. Uh, Massacre Video doing great work. So, yep. And then we have uh, Mobius, which I picked up after I reviewed it. Cool stuff. I think this Blu-ray is out of print, but uh, I enjoyed the movie. Thought it was cool. South Korean. Crazy movie. Crazy movie. And then we have this giant book that I'm not going to be able to get in frame, which I should have thought out beforehand. But this is Beyond Terror, the films of Lucio Fulci I got for Christmas by Stephen Thrower. Check this bad boy out. Way too wide, but you guys see all my stuff now. But look, guys, how cool is this? That's a hell of a gift. I I barely got a chance to look through it, but I know there's some glare, but... Come on guys, voodoo zombie. It goes through even as comedies. That is extensive right there. But anyways, guys, back to the video. All right, guys, we're gonna do the top 10 of 2018 for me. Top 25 actually I'm gonna do, and bottom five. I'll give you a bottom five too. Um, remember I'm not, I'm not one who watches like 150 movies like Moods of, from the year Moods from 22 Shots or uh, Brandon from uh, Exploding Heads these guys watch a lot for the year I've only seen 57 movies I think that qualify this year so here we go uh, and I've only seen them all once so it's very hard to give a, a, a hard line that these are the ones These so it's kind of like half assed order I'll start from the bottom I almost started from the top and screwed up everything Uh, 25. First of all, I want to mention Summer of 84 because I was really iffy on that. I thought it was well-made, but the script kind of bothered me to a certain extent, and I just didn't buy it. It kind of really... So, it's... Most people will like it, so I got to throw it out there. It just wasn't really for me. 25. Beyond the Valley of Belief, Volume 2. Fritz on the Run. I know these guys, but um, it's the... What is it? Uh, rock Bottom Video. But that movie cracked me up. I liked the first one better, but that one was pretty fun as well. 24, House Sitters. Independent movie that was on Amazon Prime by um, Jason Kaufman, who, who writes for indie movies and a big supporter of indie movies. I enjoyed it. It made me laugh quite a bit. Uh, 23, The Remake of Death Wish. I thought it was going to be junk, so my expectations were very low. But Bruce Willis seemed to give a damn. For once. I mean, I used to, he used to be the best. And then he just stopped carrying it, it seemed like. And then this one, he seemed like he gave, you know, a little bit of a damn. Vincent D'Onofrio's in it. I, I enjoyed it. It was fun. 22? Uh, Halloween. 2018? Um, I didn't really know what to expect. I knew it would be better than a lot of the later sequels. I'm a big fan of the Rob Zombie ones, though. But I knew it would be better than, like, 7 and 8 and 6 and stuff. Stuff that I just don't particularly like. But uh, I was happy with it. I thought it was pretty cool. I had some good moments. 21? Um, Flora? This one was kind of like an end-of-the-world deal, like a weird plant attacks thing, and I was really happy with it, especially the set design that it took place, I think, in the 30s and stuff. It was a big surprise. 20. I'm not sure if this one even qualifies, but Low Life. I thought that was a cool Quentin Tarantino-esque crime movie. It had some good laughs in it, and it was told, not in chronological order, kind of jumps around the place. Cool stuff. Kind of broke up in vignettes. Good stuff. Uh, 19. Terrifier. um, With Art the Killer Clown. Gory slasher, old school, good moments. Never seen anyone get split in half like that. I was like, oh my god um number 18 another wolf cop i wasn't the biggest fan of wolf cop one but part two made me laugh a lot it was goofy it was fun <laughs> kevin smith made me laugh and it's the most canadian movie i've ever seen uh 17 the ritual thought it was pretty good thought there was good uh acting all around some creepy moments and uh liked it obviously the, the beast just called beast uh this one um I think it came out this year. I think it qualifies, but it follows like kind of a strange girl who's trying to figure out if this uh, boyfriend of hers is a serial killer or not. Liked it. Good stuff. Dark. You know what? And that probably is better than 15. I don't know. I I got the order is not perfect. Um, 16 should probably be up higher when I'm thinking about it. 15. Hold the dark. Uh, Jeremy Saunier movie. Liked it. Great setting. Uh, Good violence. Good action. Um, Good characters too. 14. You might be the killer. Just talked about that. Uh, kind of a meta fun slasher movie. Cool stuff. Fun. Thirteen. The Forest of Lost Souls. I think this is a South American movie. Was impressed with it. Black and white. Looks beautiful. Starts off one way, turns into something else, becomes very twisted. Kind of reminds me of something like Eyes of Laura Mars. Good stuff. Twelve. Upgrade. Great revenge. Great gore. Great great lead actor. Uh, Eleven. Puppet Master. the Littlest Reich. Uh, has its problems. The third act's a goddamn mess. But the setup and the pay and the middle part, I love. It's fun. I know it's not. I, I They screwed up a lot. They didn't have all the puppets I wanted to see. But it had some fun moments. And I'm just, uh, I guess I'm an on-PC asshole because I liked a lot of the jokes and everything like that. Enjoyed it. Now we're into the top ten. Ten, like me. Uh, Doug, this one, uh, Jeremy uh, Jeremiah um, Schaefer recommended this one to me. Um, and I really liked it. I thought it was good stuff. Kind of like social media, strange movie. It has uh, Larry Fessendet in a great role. Very, very pretty to look at. Number nine, Ravenous. Um, it's a French-Canadian movie, I believe. It's on um, Netflix. Great movie. Great zombie movie. Felt like uh, the Stephen King book, Cell. Was happy with it. Eight, Hereditary. Um, I wasn't the biggest fan of the last act, but there's a couple moments in this movie that will shake you, and it, some of the best moments in the whole year are in this movie. All i got to say is head, Just a hit. Uh, Seven, The Hornet's Disciple and the Scar She Left. Um, I wasn't involved with this movie at all, and it's Dustin's movie. So I I was just like, cool, I get to watch a movie and be uh, as unbiased as I can. And I really like this one. Uh, There's moments in there where it touched me, where I felt sad for the character. And, you know, in an independent movie, that doesn't always happen, to be honest. Especially like a a very low-budget movie. I know how low-budget this is. It was impressive with what they did. Uh, Six, Trauma. Another South American movie, man. These South Americans are taking no prisoners. This movie is brutal. It is twisted. It has like scenes of war in it. it has scenes of torture in it. It has some of the. I was like, this is the this is the mean most mean spirited movie I've seen in a very long time. But it's really well made. It's good stuff. Trauma. You should see that one from Our exploitation. Uh, five. Terrified really like this one. Don't not a big fan of ghost stories, but I am a big fan of foreign films and foreign ghost stories I tend to like. So, this one was about a kind of a haunted supernatural block which is really cool. They do a great job of breaking up not told in chronological order which I actually like and they follow these three different characters in the different houses. I reviewed all these movies by the way, so this whole year so check them out. The reviews about oh, terrified, great stuff on Shutter. Uh, the night comes for us. This one is a great action movie. Um, <laughs> it's brutal violence, brutal fighting, people getting their arms broken and split. Uh, just it's a very very entertaining movie, nonstop uh, entertainment. Uh, three, Satan's Slave. Love this movie. Um, I love the third act that it goes a little bit more like Euro horror. Just scary, uh, different, kind of like Hereditary as well. Loved it. Two, You Were Really Never Here. It's a revenge movie again with jo- Joaquin Phoenix. This movie made me tear up, especially the relationship between him and his mother. It just, it touched too many chords, hit a little too close to home. Hit a little too close to home, and it really affected me. And uh, it, it has surreal moments too that are pretty wonderful. Uh, one, Mandy. What can I say? This is the year of revenge. And uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, love the colors. Love Nicolas Cage. Love Bill Duke. Love the bad guys. Cinebikers is what they call them, or uh, is what Ryan... Uh, um, Ryan from uh, Shockwaves called them Cinebikers or something like that, I think is what he called them. And that's what they are. The bad guys are these crazy, leathered-out monster things that are hooked on drugs. It has these trippy elements in it. it has a revenge element. It has, you know, some really cool stuff. It has a love element. Um, loved it. And I like all those movies. Now, I try not to be negative. That's why there's only five bottom ones. But uh, here we go. Uh, bottom five. We'll go with five. Number five, Death House. I know a lot of people thought this was going to be great, but I knew with all those actors, it was going to be a mess. And it was a mess, but it's number five because I don't think it's unwatchable. It is entertaining. It is bad. But there's some actors in there that do a good performance, and it has some entertaining moments and some really cool gore moments. So it's number five. Uh, four, Lady Psycho Killer. This is a mess, if I remember. It had some pretty colors, but it just seems like it's all over the place. I did not care for it. I barely remember it. Three, Christmas Blood. Did not like this at all, as I just reviewed it last week. Um, couldn't see what the hell was going on. Two, American Guinea Pig Sacrifice. This movie drove me nuts. It's, I cringe so much watching it. It was, it was troublesome. The gore's great. The gore's great. Some people love it, but that's not enough for me. I just cringed. Oh, man. I just, no. Not because the gore grows me out. It's just like, when he's like, Donald Trump's such a fucker. And he's just like, dubbed over so poorly. I'm like, oh my God, man. I'm getting embarrassed. I'm getting embarrassed for this dialogue. That's what happened. And I, I it's just, I don't, not for me. A lot of people enjoy it, but it's not for me. Um, and it's one of these deals where it's like a foreign actor, or maybe a foreign actor dubbing over somebody American. It's just English. It just didn't play off well. Uh, one, Day of the Dead Bloodline. And you know what? Technically, it might be better than some of the movies on the list because the special effects are better. But when you put Day of the Dead on a name like that, it's my favorite movie of all time. This is trash. This is garbage. Probably better than the first remake, which is saying that, you know, you're better than, you know, a trash fire, but not by much. That trash fire burned a little hotter than this trash fire. Some decent special effects, but it's called Data. That if it would have called Bloodline, it wouldn't even be on this list. And I know I shouldn't do that. I just can't separate it. It's bad. It's bad movie. So that is my top twenty-five and bottom five. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, if you're looking for some, uh, I'm looking forward to the Exploding Head slash Twenty Two Shots of Moods. Uh, best of list And Shock uh, lights Just put out one Which is really cool I know Cinnamon will have one Coming up So look look for those lists guys uh, They did a much more In-depth job than I did um, This is just something That I did Because somebody wanted to know And I enjoyed doing it. it It didn't take me long To set it up Maybe like 25 minutes But hope you guys enjoyed that Remember there's a Patreon um, As always Thank you very much Guys for watching And as always I said that twice As always As always You guys have a good one <coughs>